This is episode 91 of the Rising Man podcast with Miles Scott. If you live from people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. Aloha, Rising Man family. Welcome back. Welcome home. I'm your host, Jetty Azuma, here to guide you on another deep dive into masculinity, what it means to be a man, and how we can raise the standard of manhood together. Yes, as a rising man tribe. I've got yet another outstanding guest and conversation to share with you today. True to rising man form, we uncovered some big insights and wisdom bombs for all you fellas out there. Every week that passes, every new interview we publish here at The Rising Man, I'm reminded of how great the need is for men to have support from other grounded, committed men. Men who hold each other accountable, call out the bullshit, aim to better their best, lead by example. I'm talking about the men who are committed to making a difference with their lives. I literally would not be standing here behind this microphone with my wife, my children sleeping in the house right now if it weren't for the support I found on my men's team. I wouldn't be able to be the man that I am today. The best of what I've learned about manhood, masculinity, and becoming the man I want to be has come from that space. And I always forget how uncommon it is for men to have a space like the one that I've got. And these days, it's not lost on me on how fortunate I am and how big of a need this is for other men out there. Probably you, probably you who's listening to this podcast. So we figured out a way to share the best of what I've absorbed over the years from a decade in men's circles with every man who is willing, literally any man who can get internet access, which is a large portion of men all over the world these days, we've got the answer. And the answer is the rising man fire circles. Men from different countries, different continents are practicing masculinity together in this space. I'm talking accountability, mirroring, challenging one another, sharpening each other so that we can be the men we've always wanted to be out in our lives. The fathers, the brothers, the husbands that we know we can be, but we can only get there by practicing, by getting in the ring with other men who hold high standards of masculinity. So if that sounds like what you're into, what you need in your life, you're ready to step up and step in, we are waiting for you right by the fire. Join us by going to patreon.com slash rising man. Click on the $33 a month tier and jump in feet first to the rising man jet stream. Don't put off becoming the man that you've always wanted to be because it's more comfortable to just stay where you're at. Jump in feet first. Join us by the fire. All right. Okay. Let me introduce my guest for today. Miles Scott is an author, mentor, and speaker and self-proclaimed former fuckboy. After a suicidal depression, he awakened to how his identity was formed and vowed to heal himself through self-love. His message brings hope to women and courage to men to heal from their pasts and to create lives filled with love for themselves and others. In this episode, Miles answered the question that I've had all along. What is a fuckboy? I hear this term being thrown around a lot. I don't know who coined it or when it came to be a term, but Miles goes into it and he told us how he navigated his way out of the fuckboy life. We spoke about why we men get so fixated on having tons of sex, why sex is such a big thing for us, and what is it about the sexual conquest that fills us up, even if we only get a temporary lift from it. Miles shared with me his definition of a high value man, and we broke down the real source of drive and determination that lives inside of each one of us. We discussed the trending term self-love. Everybody's using the term self-love these days, but Miles brought his perspective to what self-love is and broke it down in a practical way so that men with masculine brains can make sense of it. We talked about how finding love at the source of all we do is truly the way to develop connection and satisfaction in relationships 
and what to do in order to find meaning in your life and become a high value man. Without further ado, Miles Scott. Rising Man family, another high-powered man here bringing his gifts and his wisdom to the show today. Miles Scott coming in live from LA. How you doing, bro? Jetty, man. I'm doing amazing. How are you? I'm really good. Really good, man. Looking forward to understanding a little bit more about what a fuckboy is because I think I, <laughs> I think I missed the, the wave on that. I'm, I'm five years married now and I've, I've been out the game for a while before people started, you know, throwing around the term fuckboy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that that's something that you have some experience and some insight into. So I'm looking forward to hearing some more about that. But before we jump in, I want to ask you the question that I ask every man when we start off. And that is, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Well, Jetty, first of all, before I get into that, I just definitely want to thank you for having me here. It's an honor to speak with you today. Mm. The difference between a boy and a man would be that a man's purpose is to serve others, while a boy's purpose is yet to serve himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is something we hear a lot on this show. So I, I love when there's some synchronicity between the messages that men have about the definition of mm-hmm. boy and man. Now, since we're on this topic, let's go ahead and define it right off the bat. What is a fuckboy? Yeah, absolutely. There are lots of different definitions of fuckboy. And the one that calls to me the most, because I've lived it, experienced it firsthand, is one who validates himself at the expense of specifically women in this heteronormative definition and does not put his intentions, is not honest about his intentions up front. Mm-hmm. So it's dishonest and it's, it can be perceived manipulative in order to get what he wants, which is ultimately that validation. And it couldn't, it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be sleeping with a woman. It could be just getting that attention that is temporarily filling up his cup until he needs to go find it else. Yeah, that's the definition. Somebody who validates themselves mm-hmm. at the expense of another person and doesn't is not honest with their intentions up front. So that's interesting to me because you hear, you hear the term fuckboy, I immediately think about the first part of the definition. You know, a guy who's running around town, putting his penis everywhere that someone will allow him to. Mm-hmm. And again, getting validation from that, like you said. But when you, when you zoomed out a little bit, and included anybody who's looking for validation from outside of himself Mm -hmm. and specifically from women, that got me thinking because my experience is that's what I did with my mom. The dynamic I had with my mom was, Mm. I think that a lot of boys do that. We look for validation from parents and specifically from our moms because a lot of the mother-son dynamic is, oh, my little boy, such a good boy. And, you know, looking Mm. for that approval. So, do you see a connection to that and how that plays out once we make it to adulthood? Absolutely. We're conditioned to seek out that attention and validation from the female, from the feminine. So when we get out into adulthood, we're continuously looking for it. So then where's the shift? Where's the pivot? Is it, is it something we have to deliberately go out and train ourselves to not seek that validation? Or is it part of life happens to you and you get fed that lesson at some point? It's both. It's definitely both. (laughs) Growth is going to happen either way. And you can either consciously walk toward it 
or you can avoid it and then it smacks you in the face. Hmm. It'll just smack you around. <laughs> and if you choose to continue avoiding that lesson, which the universe is always trying to teach us, then the lessons get more and more painful until you finally surrender to them, mm. which is what happened to me. Yeah. Well, let, let's make it personal for a second. Let's hear a little bit about your journey and just in navigating through that shift in where you get your validation from. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's go back a little bit because I was seeking validation because of my insecurities and I was never capable of filling that void for myself and I needed other people to fill it for me. Mm. And so my insecurities were, I was super, super short growing up. Mm -hmm. I was vegan and I was Jewish and all those three things made me feel a separation from all the other guys in my school. Mm. And so I always felt like I needed to do something like extra other than being myself in order to get validation, in order to find a sense of belonging mm -hmm. and in order to find status. And so I was searching for status my entire life mm. through increasing the opinions of other people, increasing their opinions of me. So going into college, and that's when the real fuckboy phase of my life started. And I would just sleep with, as you said, any, any and all women who would allow me to, mm. you know, who, who met my standards, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. And at the time, I thought that was the life. At the time, I thought that because, because my definition of a high value man was through the eyes of other people, as long as my male friends were praising me for sleeping with these tens, mm -hmm. that I was on top of the world. Hmm. Hmm. What, were you feeling, what were you feeling internally at that time? Because I think a lot of people would say, well, that must have felt good, especially if they've never been in that position. Mm -hmm. So what, what were you feeling on the inside while, from, during that time? So it's like Plato's allegory of the cave, right? We only know what we know. We only see what we see. And so we're in this little perspective bubble. And so if our main pursuit is to sleep with women and that makes us happy, then we're going to feel happy because of it. However, looking mm -hmm. back, I noticed that it wasn't really happiness. It was this temporary, continuous cycle of validation, which actually made me numb inside. Mm -hmm. And it diminished my relationship with myself, and it diminished my relationship with not only women, but men too. Mm -hmm. And so... Mm -hmm. how, how did it diminish your relationship with men? Well, I became very self-serving. I was only seeking mm -hmm. validation for myself. I became very, very selfish. And so I was less concerned mm. about lifting other men up and more concerned with getting my dick up. Well, it's interesting, man, because I think there's some normalcy to that part of the journey of ser serving ourselves. If we draw the line between boy and man, my definition is that a boy is, one, is someone who's being taken care of by his community. And I think that's physical, emotional, basic mm. needs, basic needs that we have. Whereas a man is someone who takes care of the community. You kind of do that 180 shift and, and takes care of the community. And part of the journey, I believe, is that we've got to learn how to take care of those needs ourselves, which is what I think you're alluding mm -hmm. to, is learning how to find validation, find certainty and purpose and direction from within mm -hmm. instead of looking for it externally. And then once, that's, once that cup is filled, then it's like, okay, well, now, there's, now I'm available to the rest of the world and, and not living so insular. Mm -hmm. A word that I hear thrown around a lot with this conversation is self-love. And I saw a couple posts you had about self-love and mm -hmm. I have my own thoughts on that. So, so what do you think about self-love and, and what people talk about just loving on yourself all the time and taking care of that first? Yeah, absolutely. Those were great points you made. And I love your definition of boy and a man, someone who's getting served by their community and someone who's serving the community. That really mm -hmm. resonates with me. Self-love to me, and I'll take it another step further, unconditional self-love 
is unconditional acceptance of self. And we hear in a spiritual community a lot, people are talking about the darkness and the light. Mm-hmm. And self-love, now in this polar duality type construct, we see the darkness as separation from ourselves, right? We don't like it. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand why we don't like it. It's because, well, it makes us feel separate from other people, or we fear other people's opinions of us if we totally acknowledge what this darkness is or accept this darkness. And so it becomes a game mm-hmm. of avoidance of ourselves when we think about our darkness as darkness, because what, how we see the mm-hmm. problem is the problem. How we see the darkness creates the darkness. So self-love to me, unconditional self-love is accepting our wholeness and understanding that everything is perfect as it is, as you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why, why is that such a tough shift for us to make as guys? I, I know for me, the words sound really good and I'm st- I still say things to myself in my head that I would never say to any other human being on this planet. Mm. Just really, really hard on myself at times and, and have been far worse in the past. So, so why is that? What do you think? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So I, I read one of your posts about how you were raised and you were raised to excel. You were raised to achieve. And this is also part of the collective conditioning of men to we are conditioned to appear strong we are conditioned to provide we are conditioned to avoid weakness at all costs and so the mm. things that we don't like about ourselves that fit into those categories like if it makes us feel weak or if it, we perceive it as weak then we're going to beat ourselves up so that we don't fall into or identify with what it is that we feel makes us weak and so it's a game of our identities basically because we're self-identifying with the behaviors and the thoughts that we want to show up to the world as. And for me, I wanted to show up to the world as someone who was a high value man, but my definition of high value was misconstrued as I'm looking back on it now. Mm, mm-hmm. do, do, we always, do we always have that definition of what high value is and gets redefined as we mature and walk our path? Or is that something that is a new concept that lands at some point? Well, I think there's a lot of messages out there that are coming at us from all angles and we're getting barraged and bombarded with this messages like pussy money weed, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you know, side bitches this and whatever, right? Or it could just be like, you know, common media advertisements that say if you wear our cologne, our deodorant, then you're gonna have women crawling all over you in the supermarket for no good reason. Right. Yeah. And so we get these ideas of like what it means to be a high value man. And we see ourselves comparing ourselves to other men. Like, look what they have. That must mean that they're high value. So I'm going to strive and achieve what it is that they have. And if I don't have it, then I don't feel good about myself. And so we have this definition of high value in the eyes of other people, what they think a high value man is, what society thinks it is. But when do we really take the time to interest, like to dive deep and be introspective and see and challenge the old way and challenge what we think a high value man means. How are we going to find our own happiness in this world? How are we going to go on our own quest to become the man that we can love? Mm. I like that. I think that looks different for every man. Mm -hmm. That's, that's part of the unique journey into self-discovery that we all get to have. And so, so what was it for you? What was your journey into defining high value for yourself? What'd that look like? Yeah. So I went into a relationship three years ago. And I had just come off a reality TV show and I was in this huge ego state of mind and everything about my life at that point was to 
make other people's opinions of me better. I was still stuck on validation from everywhere else but myself. And so after that reality show filmed, I was feeling on top of the world. And then I met this girl and I was like talking about this reality show and she was like kind of into it. And she saw me as high value because I saw myself as high value. Mm -hmm. And however, that high value was coming from a deep sense of insecurity. And it was just this mask of high value. It wasn't actually like a deep, fulfilling, right. heartfelt feeling. Right. So mm -hmm. we get into a relationship and I attracted this woman and she was like a 12 out of 10. She was just the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen. And I felt so good about myself for being with her. But infatuation and lust make the best blindfold. <laughs> so I was still carrying around with me these toxic behaviors and thought patterns that I was unconscious of from my fuckboy days. I was still lusting after other women. I was still seeking validation, entertaining conversations with other women. I was telling her I would change when I didn't. And I would leave and I would run from the relationship when things got rough when things got tough and I would avoid mm. conflict because I was avoiding conflict within myself. Mm. So it's fascinating, man. It, the concept of doing whatever it takes, I think is a really powerful virtue to have as a man to be one of those, whatever it takes kind of guys. You just, you're, you're dependable. You do whatever it takes to get, to get the task at hand done mm -hmm. to honor your commitments. And in, in what you were just saying, I realized that, that, that do whatever it takes can apply to the, adolescent boyhood time of our lives too. Like whatever it takes to keep this game going, whatever it takes to keep getting fed what I need to feel good about myself, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do mm -hmm. it, which can mean being dishonest, being deceptive, being manipulative and, and trying on these strategies to, to ultimately get what serves us back to what we said before, serving ourselves or serving other people, that contrast. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, man, I'm really, I'm really fascinated about how you, how you pivoted that for yourself? How did you make that shift once and for all? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I was doing everything. I was doing whatever it took to make myself feel good in this relationship. And the relationship had to be my way. And it was more convenient for me to love her if we avoided issues. And if she would calm her anger down, um, if, she, if I could get away with the things that I wanted to do because I didn't see anything wrong with it at the mm -hmm. time. So I definitely agree with you about the whatever it takes. You know, it depends on your perspective around it and what it is that you need that's going to determine your behaviors and the actions you take. But for me, to answer your question, Jetty, I left the relationship three times. And each time I came back, the trust was less and less. Mm -hmm. And on the third time, I went to, I fled to California for three weeks. I was, I did some cambo. I was really trying to release the the energy from us because I really didn't, it was so toxic at that point. There was so much jealousy and distrust. And I kept leaving because of her anger with me. I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear being somebody that she didn't like. Hmm. I left and I was trying everything to like, I slept with two women in the same night when I went to LA and I was just doing everything to numb myself, hmm. numb myself and get rid of like this feeling of not being worthy for her or, you know, just how toxic our relationship was. And at the time I wasn't really ready to admit about all my wrongs. And hmm. after Cambo, I felt so clear and I called her and I said, and my intention going into Cambo was I'm going to get, release this energy. I'm going to release her. I'm going to move forward with my life, but it did the exact opposite. So for me, hmm. it gave me clarity to become the man that she needed me to be, that she had always wanted me to be. And so all the issues in our relationship, like my lust or that I watched porn or 
you know, then I checked on other women. I was like, all right, I'm ready to get rid of that. And so I called her up and I said, I'm ready to be the man that you have wanted me to be this whole time. And her response was, yeah, fucking right. (laughs) (laughs) Show show me, don't tell me, right? (laughs) Right. She was like, you're such a liar. You're always a liar. Because, you know, I would always say I wanted to change, but I never did. Mm. And change is definitely a topic I'd like to discuss too, because we change when we feel like the effort is worth the reward. But when you're in that perspective bubble where you're getting what you need already or what you think you need, it's really hard to see the other reward. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. So I came back into this relationship and we stayed together for another few months. And at that point, she became an exotic dancer and I was struggling very hard with feelings of jealousy and inadequacy. And a lot of the triggers from our relationship prior to this point in time came back and they resurfaced and my nervous system wasn't regulated and yet neither was hers. So we kept triggering each other again and again and again. She ended up cheating on me twice because she was staying in this relationship, even though it was toxic. And she was finding other ways to release her anger and her emotion. And I wasn't able to hold space for her. So she didn't feel comfortable with her emotions around me. So she would take to alcohol and let her emotions release that way. And that led her into some very self-sabotaging areas. Mm-hmm. So she ended up cheating on me a couple of times and the trust just got worse and worse and worse. And she eventually broke up with me. And at that point in time, I didn't know who I was. I didn't mm-hmm. know what my identity was anymore because the identity I had prior to this was prior to this relationship was all based around my ego. Mm-hmm. And I was able to have other people perceive me as someone likable. And during this relationship, all the people that like I, I cut off ties with so many people, I stopped talking to them and I had I didn't really have anything. I didn't really have anyone. And all I really held onto were, were the names that she called me during our relationship. And so whenever she, you know, she would call me a narcissist, she would call me an obsessive compulsive liar, manipulator, controlling. And at the in, during the relationship, I didn't want to admit any of those things. I didn't even want to admit like the, how selfish I was because I wanted to be in that relationship with her. And I was so codependent on whether or not she wanted to be with me at that point. Mm-hmm. And then she left and the only things I had And granted, at this point in my life, I was living in my mom's house. I didn't have a job, didn't have a girlfriend anymore. I didn't really talk to anybody at that, at that time. So Mm -hmm. the only things I had had to. And this is, this is how long ago? A year and a half. A year and a half ago. Okay. So not all that long ago. I mean, a lot can happen in a year and a half, but this is, you know, not not like ancient history necessarily. Definitely not ancient. Got it. Before you keep going on into the story, there's because I think it's appropriate for what you're, the this phase that you're describing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's your quote or someone else's that you had posted, but you you had something on your page that says neither of us knew how to love, so we went to went to war instead. Yeah, that's mine. I was just like, I was like, damn, that's that's real, that's real right there, man. So what does that mean? Why does that why did why does that happen? How does that happen? Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, that's when I wrote that. I was thinking about the times when I, like looking back, everything is in coming from a place of like retrospect, right? Like all these things are realizations that I had after the fact and never during Mm -hmm. and in the moment because I didn't know how to process. I didn't know how to be introspective. And so when I was writing that quote, I was thinking about the times where we both got into this relationship to fulfill a need that we weren't feeling ourselves. 
and when we placed expectations on the other party to fill that need for us, and when that other party was incapable of filling that for us, then it didn't feel like love anymore. But love is a choice, and it's an action, and it's not, it's not something you receive. It's not contingent upon what you receive, what you love because you want to. And neither of us knew how to love ourselves. Neither of us knew how to fill what it is, whatever void it was that we were lacking at the time. And we relied on the other person to fill that. Mm. And so anytime that didn't, it wasn't filled, we went to war because we didn't feel loved. Mm. We didn't feel accepted. Yeah. I, I keep seeing the parallels between how a, the dynamic between a boy and his mother, especially because I've got a four-year-old son mm. and, and my wife. And so I, I watched the dynamic between them. And I remember, I still remember what it felt like to be a boy in, in my parents' household around my mom. And the, the strategies I had, the, the actions that I took, the decisions I made to gain her approval. Mm. And when she withheld her approval or, or showed her disapproval of something that I did or said, she became an enemy. Mm-hmm. Because she, she was the authority of whether I was a good boy or a high value person, you know, even in the eyes of a child, like we, we feel that we feel that instinctively without having the cognitive awareness of what that really means or the distinction. Yes. So it's, it's such a fascinating mirror for that and how it's really the game that we play our whole lives. And mm-hmm. I think it's also, I think it's also related to the, the pivot we make once we really step into to manhood is like, like we've been talking about this whole time, letting go of that validation from a woman being able to validate and see oneself as valuable apart from anything coming from the outside, especially from women. Because it opens the doorway to really love and appreciate women instead of using them for what we can't provide ourselves. 100%. And also men, right? Like as we go through boyhood and uh, later on into our you know, sexual activity years, we're also conditioned by the opinions of our peers. And if they're praising us for our behavior, then why should we stop? Because if our worth is dependent upon how they view us, then why would we ever stop if their opinions of us are great? <laughs> yeah, that's a really great point. And, and it also, I know for me, I was always seen in most people's eyes as a really great guy really nice guy, a guy who is you know, smart, can do a lot of different things, valuable in the eyes of other people. So it conditioned me not to take many risks, mm. not to say many things that were risky or edgy, not to really speak my truth because of the fear that it would get a negative response. It would cut the ties to my sense of belonging and sense of value that I was constantly getting from other people yes so that's a it's, it's a courageous thing and a hard thing to do if especially if you've been that type of guy who's addicted to validation to to cut ties with that once and for all and say i don't need this <laughs> it's fucking terrifying to take that step off the cliff it's absolutely terrifying because it's basically it's the death and a rebirth of your old self your old identity because when we're creating this identity for ourselves around other people's opinions right we're creating the sense of self that we can then feel confident going around the world in. And it's very, very hard to shed that layer of who we think we are unless it makes us very, 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 very painful. Unless it feels very painful to continue to be that person. Mm. And so there has to be some stimulus in your life that forces you to look inside and 
if you're if you feel the pain like the pain of remaining the same must be greater than the pain of change mm -hmm. in order for you, you to want to change so for me it was a suicidal depression that forced me to feel painful enough to want to change right all right do you think that's something that we all have to hit i've been asking this question a couple different ways mm -hmm. from other people too because i wonder if they're like a rock bottom a lot of people talk about rock bottom is that a prerequisite for making a shift of this magnitude or can we can we identify it without feeling the depth of that pain that's a great question and i think i mentioned this right before we started talking but growth can either be avoided or it can be consciously walked toward one of them is going to hurt more than the other <laughs> both of them will lead to growth and change at some point and mm -hmm. most of us have to learn the hard way because most of us are too scared to let go of who we think we are mm. and that's just conditioning because we've built this identity mm. for how many years right however old you are however many years you've been consciously creating an identity around other people's reactions toward you yeah man exactly yeah, at some point you're like is this really in my best interest to continue this and for me it was that rock <laughs> bottom because i was so unconscious yeah, yeah. Let's, let's let's step let's step out of the personal for a second sure. cuz i know if, if, we've, if we've gone through it ourselves, that's one thing, but I know I have, it's really hard for me to witness other people in that space, especially once you're on the other side of it and you can identify, God damn, dude, you're, you're still just so attached to this way of being and, mm -hmm. and keep making the same decisions over and over and getting the same results. What do you think is the best way to support somebody in that space? If you truly believe that sometimes you just have to go through it and experience it, how do you support somebody who's going through that? It's tough to be a bystander or a witness to someone else's evolution because having gone through it myself and I see somebody struggling the same way I did, I want to reach out and I want to help and I want to fix. That's kind of like my gut instinct. However, in this stage of where I'm at, I'm learning the power of holding space for somebody, allowing them to feel accepted just the way they are. And that, in my opinion, is the most powerful work that you can do because once you understand that self-love and even love is acceptance then what you're doing is you're loving this person by accepting them as they are you're not trying to change and you're not trying to fix and you're trusting and you're also surrendering to divine timing mm. because everyone in their own time and everything will work out as it should yeah uh it's it's powerful man and i know are, are do you have any siblings i do i have an older sister you have an older sister okay so the, you're the younger sibling mm -hmm. i um i have an older brother and a younger brother and I always think of what my relationship was like with my, my younger brother, especially being six years older than him, mm. watching, looking back and watching him go through a lot of the stuff that I already had gone through mm -hmm. and just being like, come on, dude, why can't you just look at this, look at this, do this different. And the temptation to fix mm -hmm. it's, it's inherent. It's like, we, we want to fix something that we, that we see as crooked or not right, mm -hmm. you know, right, whatever that is in quotes. But like you said, man, to, Actually, I remember having a mentor tell me once, why would you want to rob somebody of their hard lessons? Yes. Because what, what have those, those hard lessons provided you? And I was like, damn, everything. <laughs> They've given me everything. <laughs> the fact that I'm vertical and I've made it through those hard times, mm. I, I, got a lot, I got a lot to give. So that's something I always come back to as well, is just remembering, oh, yeah, I've been through that. That was necessary for me. This is going to be good for them at some point. Like you said, the thing about growth, but I've learned to, I've learned to replace fixing with mirroring and revealing because mm. there, what was helpful for me in 
my, my process of becoming the man I wanted to be was having men who could say, Hey, look at this. Do you see this? Mm. I don't think that you, I don't think you see this the way that I and everybody else see it. And just, just holding up that mirror saying, Hey, look at this a different way. Cause the way you see it is bullshit. Mm. And there's, you know, especially when you have nine other guys sitting around you saying, yep, <laughs> you're, you're, you're eating, eating your own bullshit. Uh, it's like, okay, really? Cause I thought I had it figured out. And that's not fixing somebody that nobody, those guys never, never gave me the recipe or the formula for how to find my way out. They just wouldn't let me settle for believing the story that wasn't serving me. Mm-hmm. I really so, like that. Yeah. I found that to be really helpful. And that's what I, that's what I aim to do with guys. It's, it is tough though, man. Cause you're like, Oh, just try this. <laughs> you just want to like feed a little something, mm. but it's not as powerful of a discovery when a guy can figure it out for himself. Do you think that can apply to both men and women or just men? I think it does. I, I tend to just talk about men because I, I love that space and I'm so, I'm so committed to it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's humans in general. As I, every, for every one of us, it's a more powerful discovery when you can figure it out yourself. True. Uh, then, and I, don't, I think that having guidance along the way, I don't think you have to just toss somebody out into the trash heap and let them, say, find your way back mm-hmm. completely devoid of any support. So yes, to answer your question. <laughs> I'm just picturing... You know, some women I know, their reaction, if I were like, hey, <laughs> your opinion's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that, so that, that, that approach, there's different, there's different ways of delivering right, the same message, right. <laughs> right? I found in my relationship with my wife, who I've been married to for five years, and she's amazing. She's actually, she's actually involved in personal development work years before I was. So she, she's got a good basis for this. So a lot of our conversations, we do have some level of rapport for having that common language. Mm. We, we can communicate that way. But I learned a long time ago not to coach my wife. Yeah, I learned a long time ago that even when she asks me for my opinion about something, 99 times out of 100, she still doesn't actually want my opinion. She just wants me to let her know everything's going to be okay. Wow. And, it, and to support her in figuring it out for herself, reminding her to believe in herself and reminding her that I believe in her enough for her to believe in herself. Because mm. <laughs> man, th- th- there is, it's like a booby trap sometimes. She's like, I don't know, what should I do? And I wanna say, do this. But you know, it, it never ends up well in, in the long run. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if your experience has been similar or different as, when it comes to that. Oh man, it's, it's very similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because if you try to, like even if your intention isn't to fix anybody, right? If you just wanna like offer advice, let's just say they take that advice, but it doesn't work out so well. Mm. Right. And now if they're coming from a certain perspective, they can keep that responsibility on you and it comes back. Right. Uh So yeah, I love what you said. It's kind of like holding space and giving some positive encouragement, Mm -hmm. you know, that's interesting. I got I got to take a look at the dynamic we have now because I, I have a funny feeling that that is what's happening, whether consciously or unconsciously. Because mm. if she does take a leap to do something risky and un, un, uncomfortable, because I told her what she should, and I gave her the strategy to try out, then she's got a scapegoat. Oh mm. well, he told me to do it, so that's on him. Mm. <laughs> Versus just hey, you got this. Hey, if it doesn't work out, I'll be here to support you, but. What would you do? Yeah. I, I was just saying to someone I was working with last night, I said, listen, man, three, pow- three of the most powerful words in the world that will help you through any relationship. I don't know. <laughs> Repeat after me. <laughs> I don't know. And just drill it in your head because it's usually that's enough to, that, to, to encourage a, your, a woman, a partner to think about it. Okay, well, what would I do? 
What would you do? Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm here. I'm listening. Go for it. Yeah, I agree, man. And I love to encourage, you know, most of my following is women. And so I'm learning a lot about interacting with women differently. And I I like to encourage them that one, to trust their intuition Mm. and go with what it is that your heart is telling you. Drop into your heart in that moment. You know, don't worry about what your mind is saying. What is your Mm. heart saying? And then make a decision because there are no wrong choices, only opportunities to learn and grow. Mm And if you make a choice that isn't aligned with your highest good, well, now is your opportunity to be more gentle with yourself, learn from it, and make another better decision next time. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting. It's, it's good to bring up because we do, we're speaking in this conversation directed about men and our, our journey, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really no different for women. We're, we're all just terrified of the unknown and we don't want to fail because failure hurts. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's, nature the law of nature is that none of us really want to invite pain into our lives (laughs) you know there's no animal out there that's like come bite off my arm so i could feel some pain and discomfort it's just not natural uh and yet there's pain involved in the journey that's another quote that i love is that pain is inevitable suffering is a choice Mm -hmm. you know we don't have to suffer through the difficult parts of our lives if we if we have this context that you've been talking about this whole time it's like accept it as a lesson, as something that sharpens you and hones you for what you're going to be up to further down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Suffering is definitely a choice and it's, it's self-inflicted. And for most of our lives, we're conditioned to think of ourselves as victims. Why is this happening to me? A lot of us, even like as babies, right? We cry and we get attention. So it's conditioning us from a really young age to be a victim right? To get love, to get attention. Yep. We don't have to suffer in order to create our own reality. We, we are the creators of our own reality. Mm. And that's an interesting point as well. And it's kind of off topic, but to create, to create your own reality, man, like a lot of people think that your thoughts create your reality. Mm. I mean, like, have you heard that a lot? Yeah. 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 So for me, like I'm understanding that it's not necessarily my thoughts that create my reality. It's the meaning that I assign the thoughts. Yep. And so that meaning is then going to create a feeling and that's how I'm going to perceive the world. I'm going to perceive it through this lens of the, the emotion that I've derived from the meaning that I've assigned to that thought. So now if I can go back and I can assign a different meaning to whatever it is that I'm experiencing or thinking about, I can experience a whole new reality. <laughs> and yeah. now to tie it back in, because it wasn't off topic, now to tie it back into suffering. What's happening with suffering is that we're assigning the meaning that this thing is happening to us, this thing is painful to us. We're not becoming an observer to it. We're literally soaking ourselves in it with this definitive perspective that something awful is happening to us. Yeah. And so when we assign a different meaning, like what lesson can I learn from this? What, where is the, the nugget of gold in this pile of shit that I can pick <laughs> out and take with me like, on the rest of my journey? Mm-hmm. Right? So there's many different perspectives mm-hmm. we can look through in any given situation where otherwise we might feel like we're suffering. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. That makes me think of uh, something else. Another mentor of mine had, had mentioned at one point, he, he calls humans, he calls us meaning making machines. <laughs> he's like, he's like everybody's just walking around the world, putting meaning on everything, defining it as something. A lot of times defining it as something that hurts <laughs> the yeah. perspective that I got $20,000 worth of debt. I, I suck with my money. I, I can't stay in a relationship for longer than four months. I'm a shitty partner. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, is that what that means? 
Right. <laughs> or does it mean that maybe you've made choices to invest your money and, you're, and you haven't recouped on that investment yet? Or you're learning how to be a better partner versus you suck at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the same, same facts, just a different story. Yeah. And like those are the kinds of patterns that keep you stuck. And if we think about why poverty happens, poverty happens because people don't know another way to think about money because they've never had it. It goes again back to the Plato's allegory of the cave, right? And so if we are, are, are making a conception of self around you know, how we're reacting to life, well, then that's the person we're going to be. We're going to continue being that same person who is, has that negative self-talk and that self-doubt. And we need to educate ourselves on how to create a new meaning around what it is that we're experiencing. Mm. And a lot of times it takes us hitting rock bottom before we figure that out. And Mm. I encourage anyone listening, it doesn't have to get that far. I don't believe Mm. it does. I believe if you, if you can truly learn from other people, then you can apply it to your life and make massive change in your life without having to go through the shit. Yeah. And there will still be, then there will just be new hard lessons waiting for you. (laughs) I think that when when we're, when we're doing legacy and ancestral lines really well, then we learn from our fathers, grandfathers, you know, people, those who came before us, the things that challenge them. And then Mm -hmm. we we can choose and and pivot to do things differently just to take on new challenges that they were never able to get around to because they were stuck in the old ones. I think that's I think that's the way that this whole thing works. I don't know. I'm still I'm still sorting it out. But mm-hmm. instead of repeating the same patterns, because I think, like you said, poverty poverty is ancestral. A lot of times, it's an ancestral way of looking at money and wealth. Mm-hmm. And it's it is a mindset shift, and there's got to be action attached to it in order to to really nail that shift down and, and create new culture as you pass that forward. Even if you don't have kids, just to put a different vibration around poverty or whatever it is forward into the world instead of the same one that you received. Mm-hmm. And that's that's quote unquote the work, right? That's that's what personal development is all about: is passing forward a more effective, useful message than the ones that we received. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a video by a guy that I admire. His name is Mastin Kip. Mm. And he was talking about something, but he put, he put on the, on the, the screen where he was showing like a bunch of people while he was talking. And the screen was a quote by someone else. And it was about a transitional character. And the quote reads something like transitional character is someone who heals the wounds of the generation so that he can pass forward onto the next generation's a more healed version and a, therefore a better world. Mm, I like that. You don't, you don't remember who said it. You just remember the quote from Mastin's presentation. Yes. Yeah. It's on my profile, okay. on my IG profile. I like that one a lot. Yeah. The transitional character definition was, was deeply moving because it allows us to see a lot further. It allows us to zoom out and understand why we're doing this inner work. Mm. Like how do we want to leave the world? What kind of legacy do we want to leave? And mm, the greatest, yeah. some, sometimes the greatest change that you can make for the world is changing yourself. Boom. That's it right there, man. And that takes it all the way back to the differentiations we made about boy and man in the beginning is stepping into manhood, really serving your community, serving your family, serving the world is exactly what you just said right there. So I know we're getting close to tying this up. I, I, I wanted to make sure I asked you one more thing about relationship 
I saw in one of your posts mm-hmm. because it's, I think it might be some good dialogue. You said you had something written there about having standards for a relationship, having standards for a partner and how it closes you off to loving and accepting that person mm-hmm. because you already have an expectation about what they need to be in order for them to be worthy of your love, mm-hmm. I guess for, you know, to put my own, own words on it. So sure. I'm interested in, in what that, what that means for you, where, where that perspective comes from, because anecdotally, my wife had three pages worth of standards that she created <laughs> when we when we met because she she had gotten over going through these relationships and not having guys meeting her needs that she got really laser focused on what yeah. she wanted in a partner so that she she would know she would recognize him when he arrived. So so yeah, what is that? Where does that come from for you? Okay, so I want to clarify that when I'm saying these standards, I'm really talking about things that aren't character traits. Right. Because we do want somebody who like one of my standards is I want somebody who practices their self-love lifestyle daily. Mm-hmm. Like one of my standards is I want somebody who has a good relationship with the people in their lives. Right. Mm. And these are character traits that make a person attractive to me. What I'm really saying in that post is the checklists, right? The they must have a fancy house in the hills or a nice car or they must dress a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way. The things that are on the outside are these Mm -hmm. checklists that you might overlook a person because they're not fitting your exact mold of who you want to see yourself with. Mm. And so by having these superficial barriers that are keeping us from from love, then we're closing ourselves off to the opportunity of experiencing the divine feminine as as it comes into our lives. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay, cool. I, I'm glad that you cl- that I asked you this to to clarify that because it that does shift the the message that I heard a little bit. So if it does come down to physical character, like let's let's say for example that who you find you're attracted to is somebody who's I don't know very more shapely, or or you like let's say you like somebody who's really petite, mm-hmm. and, and you just know that you've been with all different types of women, and, and you just tend to be more attracted to a petite woman. Are, are you saying that that's not a standard that should be held because it may close you off to a deeper connection with somebody that's out there? So that's a great question, and I'm not like I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't do anything. I just want to put that mm-hmm. out there, right? Whatever you do, just be cognizant of what you're closing yourself off to and how you want to experience the totality of your life. Hmm. Do you only want to experience X or are you going to open yourself up to the rest of the alphabet? Yeah. See, I like that. I like that. I'm glad that you clarified that too, because that's a different message. And the, the funny thing is that of all the standards that my wife had, you know, I was all the things, they were more character traits, you know, things that she wanted in a partner, a long-term partner. Mm -hmm. And I, I hit, I think it was like, I don't know how many there were, but there was two of them on the list that I didn't hit. And one of them was that he, that her partner would be like a tall guy. Okay. And cause I'm only five, I'm five, seven, man. I've, I, when you told talked about the short story, that was me too, man. I was always like the, the shrimp of the bunch. Mm. And the other thing was when, when we met, I was traveling and I, I looked like, I looked like Johnny Depp straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Nice. You know, I had like the, you know, the big earrings, the long braided hair and all that. Oh, nice. And, and so I, the, the point is, is that I didn't look like what she was expecting, but everything else matched. So she, she was like, that's really not that important anyway. Let, let me, let me examine this a little bit and see what's here. Mm-hmm. Here we, here we are five years and two kids later. So, and she took, yeah. she just took that advice. There you go. She did. She <laughs> yeah. opened herself up to love in a different form than how she was anticipating it to come in. It was wrapped in a different exactly. package. 
and look at the blessing. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty good blessing. I think she would say so if you asked her the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, beautiful, cool, man. Well, listen. It's been a great conversation with you. I really, we, we took some left turns, some right turns, and and I, I really think we got some good discovery out of all this, man. I like your perspective, and I love what you have to share. You've accumulated a great body of wisdom, and I'm grateful that you're sharing that with people out in the world. Before we close and we say our final goodbyes, I have a couple of lightning questions for you. Mm, what, like gut reaction questions? Or what do you mean? Yeah, like top of the dome, top like whatever's, the dome. whatever's there, simple, simple, quick feedback. You ready? I'm ready. All right. What is one thing that you've learned in your life that you wish you knew when you were 18? Don't put other people's opinions of me before the opinions of myself. Nice. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? I would say how you make others feel Mm. and how you're making yourself feel. All right. Cool, man. And then last but not least... Where can people follow you? Where would you like to direct people to? Do you have anything exciting coming up that you're launching, releasing, you want to make everybody aware of? Yeah, thanks, man. You can come to my Instagram page. It's at Miles Writes. That's Miles with a Y, M-Y-L-E-S-W-R-I-T-E-S. I've got a book coming out called Confessions of a Former Fuckboy. It should be releasing at the end of the year. And I'm also launching a self-care club. It's an accountability club. And you're basically going to win prizes for keeping yourself accountable to your daily disciplines. And you'll join a community of like-minded people and we're going to go on these quests together and forming a bond around becoming our best selves. So right now it's free. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to uh, release, but it's free until the end of the month. And then it's just like a nominal monthly fee to join after that. Awesome, man. Um, is that a virtual thing? Is that something that is in person? Yeah, it's it's virtual. I have a link in my bio. The second button underneath that is the self-care club. So it's going to be based as a Facebook group. And this is basically like a beta group for now. And we're all going to help each other build it. So I've got a structure, but it's nice. very fluid. And so I want to see based on the feedback, how can we provide the most value and make awesome. and create the most impact in people's lives? So Nice, nice. Community-driven. Mm-hmm. Everybody bringing what you got to the table, letting the community steer. I like that. I like that concept, man. And who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to win prizes for taking care of yourself? Right. That's, that's awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> Competing for self care. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it, man. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, again, again, bro. Let me just say, I'm glad that we got to connect. This is really the first conversation we've had. Yeah. So thanks for having faith in in the connection to step up here and bring your wisdom. I really enjoyed everything that you had to say and. Look forward to having you on here again someday. Yeah, I would love to. And Jetty, thank you so much for having me on. It's really been an honor speaking with you. And thank you for providing introspective questions because the the more earnest your questions are, and they are, the more you're pulling out of me, the more value I can bring Mm -hmm. to the table. And so I really appreciate your earnestness, Mm -hmm. the platform that you have here to help inspire everybody and help raise the collective masculine. Beautiful, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you for that acknowledgement. I receive it and wishing you the best, man. Everybody go check out Miles' self-care club and his book coming out later this year, Confessions of a Former Fuckboy. Good chatting with you, brother. Have a good day, man. Likewise. You have a great day yourself. All right, all right. What an episode. Miles is such a high-powered, centered man. This was the first lengthy conversation that we 
had. We had a few back and forths as we were getting ready to do this podcast, and it was really great to experience just the groundedness that Miles has, the, the poise, the deliberate nature in which he expresses himself, in addition to just all the wisdom and insights that he has. If you guys aren't following Miles, make sure you go and follow him on Instagram. He's got just a bunch of one-liner bombs, for lack of a better term, that really have gotten me thinking, have gotten me enjoying seeing the things that he drops because he's, he's very poetic and very reflective in his in his thoughts and he's got so many gifts to share. I was really interested in hearing some more about his backstory and just understanding the fuckboy life a little bit because that, that's not... That wasn't my story. That wasn't my narrative. I was always looking for the long-term relationship, even as a youngster. So hearing a little bit more of what that life is like through Miles' eyes and what he was looking to fill as far as a void with all these, you know, all the sexual promiscuity and the sexual conquests. So I'm sure that a lot of you guys can relate out there and can understand a lot of the things that he was sharing, what we talked about. I thought it was a really powerful conversation. Hope you got as much value out of it as I did, as I always do. I'm learning so much from all these incredible men who keep coming on the Rising Man podcast and saying yes to uh, joining us here and having a conversation about manhood and masculinity. So if you're inspired to take the next step, if you want to get some more practical, hands-on, eye-to-eye, face-to-face experience with other men who are reflecting on what it means to be a man, practicing being the men that we've always wanted to be, holding each other accountable to higher and higher standards of performance and excellence, then make sure you sign up for the Rising Man Fire Circles right now. Like, I'm not even kidding. The transformations that we have made to the structure and the format of the circles has got all of the men fired up and lifted and leaning in 10 times harder than we were before. So don't even hesitate. $33 a month. It's a no-brainer. Go to patreon.com slash rising man. Get yourself signed up right now so we can get you on a team and get you into action towards being the man that you always wanted to be. Check out the show notes for this episode and others. We got the links, the resources for every episode, everything we talk about. It's all in there at the rising man podcast.com. Julian Subic hooking up the notes and publishing the episodes every week for all y'all out there. Make sure you guys go and send Julian some love because he's the one who's making sure it gets out to you guys every week for the past year so send some love to my man julian as always please subscribe and follow us if you don't already if you don't by now hit that subscribe button follow us heart us like us whatever the app that you're listening to us on allows you to do please do that leave some comments hit us with five star ratings if you believe we deserve it because we want to know what y'all think of the rising man and we also want to keep climbing the charts because the rising man has been making waves in the podcast world and we want to keep making it wavy out there so Please support us, subscribe, follow, rate it, share it up with a buddy, send it to a friend who needs to hear the Rising Man message. And check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Podcast. If you're looking for another easy way to support the Rising Man movement and to spread the message, then share up the Instagram post. Every week, my man Rowan Tyne is throwing up these amazing images and sound bites on Instagram. And all you have to do is share it on your Instagram story. Tag us. We'll repost it. We'll give you a shout out. All the all the things. But share that content with guys. It has an accumulative effect. And the more men see what we're doing here, the more it's going to have an impact. And that's the direct connection that you can have to spreading the Rising Man message. So please do that. Check us out on Instagram. All the amazing work that Rowan's been doing for the past year. Give it some love. Give it the attention that it deserves by putting it out there for more men to see. All right, shout outs to Sean Offenbach, a man who has been 
taking care of the podcast from the beginning, editing and producing it. Nobody I trust more with this podcast than my man, Sean. Thank you, brother, for everything you do. And last but not least, our head fire chief inside the fire circles, my right-hand man, Mark Rose, who's been holding it down in this transition that we've got going from fire circle 1.0 to 2.0. Mark, I appreciate you, brother, for everything you do. That's another reason to jump in the fire circles. You should get to know all these amazing guys that work on my team because they're all engaged in the fire circles. By the end of this year, they're all going to have gone and fasted for four days and four nights out in the wilderness. So high-powered men. I surround myself with the best of the best. That's a lot of love to you guys and a good reason for all y'all to join us inside of the Rising Man, whether it's the fire circles, our next Compass event, whatever it is, mark your calendars when I mention it because I'm telling you guys, it is coming up and it's going to come in hot. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.